everyone and welcome to Battle of the Atom. This is the weekly X-Men podcast where we rank every X-Men story from A to Z. I'm Adam. And I'm Zach. And you know what we don't have this week, Adam? What don't we have this week? We don't have like an all-star uh, guest to uh, entertain all the listeners. But uh, do you know what you know what we what, do have? What do we have? <laughs> we have each other. I was going to say, we, we can be each other's all-star guest, you know? Yeah, we have <laughs> we have the bond of 50-ish episodes of this podcast already in our belts. So uh, we can we can make this happen. Yeah, ah. and we have an exciting episode today because uh, we're doing an all-Wolverine episode today. Yeah. Um, which, oh, have wait, we done that yet? Patch? I mean, I are feel like... About Patch? Oh, that's true. These aren't just uh, these aren't Wolverine stories. They're they're patch stories on top of being all Wolverine stories. We got patch. We got lucky Jim. We got old hot claws himself. And that is all we're talking about this episode. (laughs) Yeah, it's the best disguise in all of comics. And do you know why we are talking about, you know, good old uh, Jimmy Howlett this uh, this day? I assume that we're we're getting started here by a request. So what is the request? We are getting, you know, started here because of a request. And that request comes to us from Thomas Cummins on Patreon. Now, here's the thing about Tom. Uh, Tom has been a longtime supporter of the Xavier Files media empire, even in the days before there was an actual Xavier Files media empire. So, you know, he's, Hi, he's, Tom. he's a good dude. <laughs> He also, and I'm going to have to check with him before I say his name in association with this, but I think it's fine. Uh, he also runs the fabulous Twitter account, No Context X-Men, which posts panels of X-Men without context, like it says, and it's very funny. Yeah, and I think uh, the inspiration for this particular storyline may have come from one of those out-of-context panels, right? Yes, that it's a panel from Wolverine Volume 2, number 17, where Wolverine, <laughs> shirtless on a roof, screams out cocaine. <laughs> like he's freaking Dr. Roxo. Dude is loving cocaine. <laughs> and you know what's crazy about that is that that seems on its own just like it's the most batty bonkers thing ever it's not like when we finally get into what and we don't have to spoil this right this second but when we get into what that cocaine is that is one of the most insane bonkers things i may have ever read in a comic so we're gonna spoil this for a second that cocaine is a deviant version of john sublime like you know the (laughs) eternals the worst (laughs) inhumans yup this is this yep. is a living spore of that. It's a <laughs> Let's talk about let's let's get the basics out of the way uh because this story is buckwild. Uh this is Wolverine volume 2 17 through 23. Uh we're just going to call it the Wolverine Acts of Vengeance because that's what it is. Acts mm-hmm. of Vengeance just kind of happens in the middle of this, I guess. 
Yeah, it only gets a, a shout out on a couple of the covers. It's really strange. It was written by Archie Goodwin with art by John Byrne and Klaus Jensen. Glennis Oliver cover colors. Uh, before we jump into Wolverine, <laughs> I feel this was not planned. Uh, you Have you heard about my recent interactions with Mr. John Byrne? Well, uh, I don't, you actually had interactions with him uh, from, from what I understand, um, he recently decided in his infinite wisdom that he was going to revisit some uncanny X-Men. He's been doing some pencils yeah. on his, uh, his very, very troubling message board. Um, did, did you actually interact with him in some regard? No, we have been interacting around each other is the bigger ah. thing I posted. Okay. I posted an article about it because I mean, John Byrne regardless of your feelings about him as a human and frankly mm. you should probably not have great feelings about him as a human john byrne is responsible for some of the biggest moments in x-men the number one story on our list right now is a john byrne co-written uh and penciled x-men story days of future mm-hmm. past like dude's got bona fides so him drawing x-men worth pointing out Here's the thing, though. I didn't credit the exact source exactly the way John Byrne wanted it to. So he sighed at me and then got his message board to come over and start asking me questions in my comments section. Oh, Jesus. It was weird. Yeah, it's weird. Here's the weird thing. The message board, the message board doesn't have an account active that's like newer than 2006. Mm-hmm. Which means there's a very tight knit community of people who are worshiping John Byrne, which is yeah. just it's it's an odd thing. I, well, and it's it's a very troubling set of topics over there. You know, I mean, if you go through it post nine eleven, there's some really just xenophobic, racist, transphobic stuff on that site. That um, you know, it, I there's no denying that John Byrne is an incredibly talented person, but you know, he's leaving a, a very troubled personal legacy along with that artwork, similar to some of the things that we've heard Frank Miller say in interviews that just doesn't make you feel good about, you know, following anything new coming out from him. Speaking of Frank Miller though, Klaus Jensen does the uh, inks on this and the inks are very good. And I don't know that Klaus Jensen is a bad person. So I'm going to assume that he's great. Oh, I, I would hope so, um, because I, I'm a huge fan of Jansen's work, especially with Miller. Um, okay. And it's interesting because I, I just did, you know, a quick search about this because I was I was very curious to see how this happened. Um, when you look at cover of issue number 17, John Byrne has signed the cover. Uh, it's a great cover of Wolverine jumping out in his brown costume. And if you look to the left of the barcode uh, box down in the bottom left, it has John Byrne's signature, but it also says uh, never say never again. You know, the idea that, um, you know, he maybe at one point said, I would never draw the X-Men again. And here he is. And um, I found a, a little excerpt. I don't know if it's from an interview or what, where he said he basically did this as a favor for editorial, um, but he only had time to do the breakdowns. So we have Klaus Jansen doing um, the finishing work here, which gives it a a really kind of cool 
Miller yeah. thin line look. Um, you know, it's really neat. But it, it was funny because even in this excerpt, John Byrne was complaining about how Klaus Jensen inked his work um, and how he finished it. You know, he was like, I, I didn't appreciate how he did that. It's like, okay. <laughs> um, I guess he's only guess quit the X-Men and said, I will never do this again, like three times, 1981, 1991 exactly. and 2000 <laughs> and like one. Yeah. So that, you know, there may be a, uh, some baggage attached to this, but um, I thought on the whole, this is an absolutely batty Wolverine story. Um, that, that, oh, it's, <laughs> it's really it's strange. Late eighties, early nineties as all get out. It has Madripoor. It has Roughhouse. It has Tiger Shark. It has a character whose name I am forgetting, but oh yeah, Bandera, who is a uh, what country is it? A Cuban freedom fighter. Well, who um, takes over a small South African or South American country and then becomes the president at the end of the story. Yeah, yeah, ben, she's Bandera. She has the power of empathy and also some energy blast powers. Um, I think she's great. You know, it's it's kind of like a an odd John Byrne esque creation, but uh, you know, I guess Archie Goodwin had had this character cooking in his head. Um, but I like her. I think she adds a little bit of uh, of fun to this story. Yeah, she's she's one of the better parts of this. This whole story, it's just. Yeah, there's a bunch of uh, of of strange side characters in this. Um, there is, you know, there's a cybernetic Nazi named Geist. I forgot about there the is... cyber Nazi. <laughs> he's a bad yep, dude. Yep. He's he's kind of he's kind of the main villain. There's like a kind of a Castro fill in um, whose wife happens to be a nun who only wears all white and uh, has healing powers named sister salvation. Yeah. That was weird. Like I, I don't think there was anything in particular problematic about it, but there was a lot of stuff that felt icky. Um, yeah, I mean, it's weird. Like sister salvation is a nun who gives back massages and the, like heals people. <laughs> it's really weird. Um, daredevil makes a cameo in this story in the first issue. I mean, this, sure. this thing is all over the place, but maybe we should just get like a, a quick synopsis of, of the story. Cause you probably wondering if you've never read this, how this all ties together. Wolverine tracks cocaine and ends up yeah. fighting, a giant spore monster made out of this cocaine. Yes, uh, because there is a, is it, is it South or Central America? I, I don't think they ever really specify. Um, but there, there is this uh, president who's, he wants his own Captain America. And he's decided that the way he's going to do it is employ a cyber Nazi to help him, um, you know, use this insane cocaine, uh, which happens to be spore to create roughhouse into his own captain America. And things don't go that well. Yeah. That's got a lot of problems associated with it. One, why are you grabbing roughhouse, this random Madripoor bad guy and saying, you will be my captain America Two, why the cocaine? (laughs) <laughs> and then why distribute and have the cocaine elsewhere if you have magic cocaine? I've got a lot of questions <laughs> with this drug lord's plan, and none of them are yeah, it does. good questions. No, 
It doesn't make a lot of sense. I mean, and and in the background of all of this is is um, the cyber Nazi Geist, who is just the strangest of characters. He's presented as this uh, this white guy who's kind of been in the background of multiple um, fascist rules, and um, I guess has like a shape a straight razor built into his hand. So yeah, what was up he's with got that? this weird thing with shaving. He likes to shave people. Um, yeah, this is a weird story, guys, if you haven't <laughs> figured it out yet. Yeah, he's got a lot going on with it. Uh, it's very indicative of why I haven't read all of Wolverine. Mm. Because there's a lot of weird stuff in here. A lot of stuff I'm not particularly interested in. But, like, it's not good. It's also not bad. It's very, it's very in the middle for me. Um, yeah, I, I certainly didn't think it, it was bad. I, I think the art is really interesting to see these two artists mm-hmm. combine their work into something really just fascinating to look at, um, to see those two styles clash. Because, um, you know, they... I don't know. These aren't the two artists that you would necessarily think to pair together. And I think they do a really interesting job. The storyline is absolutely batty. It goes on for seven issues. So yeah, you know, this, this is, is too long. Half this is too long. That's, that's the yeah. one thing that I was noticing. Like, okay. Let's, let's get to it. Like, I know they, they shoehorn <laughs> acts of vengeance in there. And by the way, it's never not funny when they say acts of vengeance during acts of vengeance. <laughs> Yep. And it, it happens twice in the seven issues. You, you get two name drops of Axe of Vengeance. Uh, There's an Axe of Vengeance going on. Yeah. Like, I, I think, think Tiger Shark might say it too. Yes, Tiger Shark. Uh, <laughs> yeah, this is not fabulous. Uh, but no, but I, I do think it's worth tracking down. And, and uh, especially if you are interested in in um these artists it's it's definitely worth it alone for that and if you got a chuckle out of just the cocaine panel and you want to see just how crazy the story gets i feel like it's it's definitely worth your time i did not expect the cocaine to go in the direction it did no no i i was like okay why is wolverine kind of drowning in snot on uh the cover of issue number 22 and then when i got there i was like oh okay (laughs) interesting wolverine yeah much like uh much like mr scarface himself is drowning in cocaine and it sure is something uh we've got a couple of wolverine stories on our list our list of 123 different x-men titles uh Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. ranging from days of future past at number one to something else at one uh, the draco i can say the draco at least there's not a i don't feel i don't feel uncomfortable saying the draco at least no, it's no, just no. terrible. I, I think, uh, yeah, we just get to identify how horrible it is. Every it episode. is. I'm it's fine. more comfortable now than I was like 10 episodes ago. <laughs> uh, but <laughs> around the 90s, we have a handful of Wolverine stories already. Uh, at 91, we've got the Phalanx Covenant Wolverine and Cable part story. Mm-hmm. Final Sanction. Do you think this is better or worse than Final Sanction? I think this is better than that. I think this is like just from a, a short sheer like window shopping curiosity kind of perspective. This is definitely worth checking out. It's very strange. I, I can I, I can get with that. I can get with that. But I think where I might have problems with 
is Brood Trouble in the Big Easy, which is mm-hmm. oddly similar, you know, hyper of its time, late 80s, early 90s story with great art, a kind of nonsense story. But I like having Ghost Rider turn into a brood better than Wolverine, you know, get get getting uh I don't do drugs. I don't know any good cocaine words, guys. I'm sorry. <laughs> I'd love to do some very nice, you know, powder puns. Uh, but powder's about as far as I got. And I use that for alliteration. Well, I think that's a good ceiling. Um, do you think this is better than Glob Loves Man Kills? which we just ranked recently. No, I don't. No, okay. I think think Glob Loves Man Kills does what it does in two issues. It is a lot of fun, and I really do care about Glob Herman. Uh, But I could right below that, we got that special edition X-Men backup. I think Mm -hmm. this is probably better than Kitty Pride and Ileana Rasputin taking a uh, trip around the mansion. Yeah, I think that's a good place to put it. This is definitely something that uh, just for, you know, sheer like rubbernecking you're gonna want to take a look at it's like there's a car accident on the side of the road and you you just have to see what's going on. all right so our new number 88 is wolverine cocaine that's just what we're gonna put we're just gonna call this wolverine cocaine every time we talk about it right yeah i mean that's the best way to describe it now it's shorthand now we know what it is well i'm glad that thomas brought that into my life (laughs) uh the next story we have is another uh bout of this time i believe just a couple of years later in 1991 Wolverine story. This is not coming out of X-Men though, or coming out of Wolverine. This is coming out of the other book that Wolverine was just always in, in the early nineties besides Mm -hmm. all of them. Uh, This (laughs) is coming out of Marvel comics presents. This is the lead story in issues 85 to 92. Uh, There's also a uh, beast story that runs kind of parallel to this. I think there's a bit of an overlap I think Beast starts yep. sooner by Scott. And the Firestar story. Uh, yeah, the Firestar story is not very good. The Beast story is actually, it, what is it? It's, is it Scott Lobdell and Rob Liefeld who do that one? Uh, I know Rob that Rob does, does at least part of it. He, I don't think he does all of it, um, but it is Lobdell. And Jay Lee actually does a little bit of that too. That's right. So, we're not talking about that though. <laughs> we aren't. <Nope. laughs> uh, we're talking about Wolverine Blood Hungry. Uh, which is yeah. written by Peter David with art by Sam Keith and Glynis Oliver cover- Colors. And uh, boy, howdy, let me tell you what. <laughs> Sam Keith Please. can draw a Wolverine. <laughs> he, oh, man. Do you, do you like Sam Keith? I've never read the Max. I have never read the Max. Oh, you are missing out. I mean, the look, Max is really great. It's a comic book with not one but two X's in the title. So I feel <laughs> like that should appeal to my baser instincts. I mean, if you ever felt a hole in your heart and needed a uh, a purple spandex homeless person in your life with giant teeth, um, the Max is there for you whenever you need it. <laughs> He's just... it's such a weird weird thing and uh i'm so glad it exists i I think it's idw has been doing reissues um, i I think i like i actually mastered pages i actually think that sam keith recently said he was coming back to it i feel like i saw that uh, really oh that would be fascinating yeah okay it's a very cool weird series and um it's interesting because there's a character in that called julie um, who's one of the main characters and in a flashback scene in this story there's a character that looks almost identical to julie 
Um, so there, there's a little bit of uh, a crossover here, but man, do I love some Sam Keith art. Yeah, here's the thing, guys. The art in this story is very, very good. Can I tell you what I love about Sam Keith Wolverine? Because there's two things that stick out to me. <laughs> Go ahead. One, he's pointy as all get out. His hair, his mask, his claws, they are over the top, long and pointy. And it adds, like, it's a comic book. And it does the stuff that only a comic book can do. Because it's unrealistic and, like, disproportioned but in a way that really gets to the core of the character. It's like cartooning. It really is like cartooning, Mm -hmm. Uh, but just with this darker, grittier style. And can I tell you the second thing I love about Sam Keith Wolverine? Please do. He's a big old hairy boy. He is just (laughs) tip to toe covered in hair, and it's fabulous. He looks so great. The amount of time it must be to put in all the little uh, hashes for, you know, for his grizzled face and his arms. It's, it's pretty fantastic. There's a layer of detail on each of these pages that I really, really like. Um, and the panel layouts here are, you know, similar to Max. They have this dreamlike quality to them. Mm-hmm. Um, he does a really good job of playing around with space on the page with panels that, you know, might take organic shapes or there's, there's a couple of occasions for him to play around with Peter David's uh, little, little, you know, verbal jokes that are here. And and he does some fun things with the panel layouts that are cool. Yeah. He does a really good job playing off David, who's a creator that I have some very mixed personal and creative feelings about. Mm -hmm. Uh, Fair enough. But I think Sam Keith is a really good partner for him. What I don't think (laughs) works as well is the major character that's introduced in this story. And that is, Uh, I mean, Cyber. Cyber. <laughs> uh, Nothing to do with the internet. No. Cyber. Cyber <laughs> doesn't. Cyber's like. I feel like if you were trying to come up with a more 90s idea than like a more legitimately 90s, not an over the top, like we're going to make pouches everywhere guy, but like just an antithesis of super 90s stuff. Cyber would be right there because he's a Wolverine bad guy, but Wolverine can't cut him because all of his skin is laced with adamantium and he has Wolverine's <laughs> secret past. And yeah, yeah, he's basically uh, Wolverine, except he's got little claw things in his fingers. He's got these dinky um, little claw like they're like <laughs> they're just like needles. But they are similar to our last story, um, coded in a sort of hallucinogenic drug um, that causes Wolverine to trip balls, people. And that is where this story really just gets absolutely bananas and just as bonkers as the last one we were just talking about. Um, Because when when you get down to it, this story does seem to really be, I don't know if we want to really kind of um deconstructed this far but this 27 year old wolverine story yeah um it it really does seem to be about like penis envy um (laughs) as wolverine is is uh literally in in his hallucination chasing around a giant Oscar Mayer Wiener mobile that that cyber is, is driving. And then later, I think it's in the eighth part, the last part, he actually looks at cyber and compares claws and says, mine's bigger. I mean, that's what we're dealing with, with this story. 
Not a lot of subtext. <laughs> oh my gosh, Wolverine penis envy. I mean, yeah, you're not wrong is the problem here. That's that's Yeah, I mean it's 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 phrased that cyber is um the only thing that Wolverine's ever been afraid of. And the you know the the trippy uh hallucination seems to indicate that cyber used to be his teacher in some respects and that um somebody that Wolverine loved died. Yeah. Okay, sounds like every other, you know, Wolverine flashback we've ever heard of. Well, they hadn't um, done a ton of them yet. So now it was just a fresh true. thing. Uh wait. Well, had this, I'm had glad this you come out that, had this come out before they did the uh the Wolverine Silver Fox stuff? No, it would have been after. It would have been after Silver Fox died. So this would have been yeah, the it, second time. It's it's interesting though that this I had I had forgotten this. This story comes immediately after Barry Windsor Smith's Weapon X. Yeah, that's a that's a dang good one two punch of that's Wolverine a stories. Wild turn though, right? Like, can you imagine going from one issue, you wrap up Weapon X, and this is the next story? You know, it's it's really crazy. Yes, I can because I read all of MCP in like <laughs> a weird only the x relevant parts i didn't read a lot of ghost writer guys i'm sorry uh you don't care about him uh but i read at one point we'll have to cover ghost rider and cable that's that's a that's true bad. classic that story is not good <laughs> it's not good. i'll tell you uh obviously best mcp story weapon x second best Ooh. is blood hungry third is probably the it mm, we're not going to get into third yet because I I'd have to think about it. Uh, the other Sam Keith one where it's Wolverine and Venom is also up there. <laughs> oh, that's a yeah, that's a fun one. Um, so this is a visual treat. It is uh, a very slight story, um, but gosh darn it, if it's not fun to just stare at all these pages, like I, I absolutely love this. Yeah, layouts are good. You get you get some legitimately good uh, Peter David dialogue. Like I, I think the standout characters for him is Tiger Tiger, uh, in her interactions with both Wolverine and uh, General uh, uh, General Mod, Koi. yeah, yeah, or General Koi, yeah. Well, it's funny because uh, Cyber kills all of their henchmen towards the end of this. I think in the seventh part, so um, the two of them just spend the rest of the story negotiating how they're going to explain it to the rest of Madripoor. Oh, it's great. I think they decide. They decide on aliens and uh, that's just, I don't know. It's, it's got a real fun Peter David, uh, you know, X factor era humor that, that works really well. Yeah. It dialogue, dialogue is solid in this book. Uh, mm -hmm. The art is fantastic. I really enjoy this story. Like, I don't think it's been printed since 1993, but maybe go check it out. Plus the covers, yeah, like I mean, go check should... out these friggin' fantastic sam keith covers yeah you should be able to find these in like a dollar bin somewhere um you know a lot of people were buying mcp at the time um and i think there was also a reprint of it right there's there's um a collected edition of it that's floating around somewhere, somewhere. that you might be able to find yeah somewhere yeah strangely enough it's not on unlimited um I unlimited why. They, unlimited they, is, is super bad with mcp because it'll yeah. only do parts of it like the uh the there's a big uh the panther the black panther that what is it 24 part story that uh that yeah. mcgregor did uh that is only that 
that is on Unlimited, but none of the other stuff like the Colossus God Country or the Cyclops story is on there, uh, which is a little disappointing because yeah, there's there's some fun stuff in MCP. Mm-hmm. Uh, not a ton of great well, stuff, but there's a lot of fun stuff. Well, hopefully they'll hopefully they'll get on that. Um, all right, let's get into ranking this. Where would you go? I think this is better than the first arc of Ultimate X Men at number forty four. Oh, okay. Uh, where were where were you gonna like? Where were you gonna start at? I want to know this. Well, our previous acts of well. Oh wait, hold on a sec. Now I'm, I'm looking at the wrong thing here. I'm sorry. Um, I mean, I do really love the art here. I think this is fun. Um, I don't know if this is better than Ladies Night though. Do you? Uncanny X Men two forty four. I think it's comparable to Ladies Night. Okay. They are right. they are they are That's different awful. stories. Um, yeah. But I I think like the Sam Keith art really carries this. I think this is better than that last part of the Zadarsky Howard the Duck. I think okay. that's probably Yeah, good. I can get on board. But for yeah, that. I, I think we can slide um, it between yeah. that and Ladies Night. Okay, I'm good with that because we have the first Peter David arc of X Factor at 50. Um and I'm just looking at what's around that. And I, I think that's a good good spot. So this will be our new 46. Our new number 46 is Blood Hungry. Nice. And we've got one more story. All right. Now, this one, Adam, you picked this one out. So I'm kind of interested. This I've never read this. I really haven't. Well, we were looking for another Magipur, um, you know, story another tiger tiger story, um, something that, you know, kind of tied in with these two and, um, Savage Wolverine 12 and 13, um, written and with art by Phil Jimenez and co-written by Scott Lope. I don't know if it's Lope or, or Lope. Um, there seems to be an army of inkers on the second issue and colors by, uh, Rochelle yeah. Rosenberg. Um, this is this is another kind of banana story. It's not nearly as psycho as the first no. two we're covering, but it's still weird because it involves Logan talking to elephants um, almost psychically. So I guess points for that. Um, but really the the premise of this story is that uh, Logan is tracking poachers and tracks them back to Madripoor and eventually tracks them back to tiger tiger. And that's where our conflict yeah, is for these it's two. It's interesting. Issues. So it, it does a good job of showing the parts of Logan that are, uh, how do I say, the more sensitive side of him. He cares about animals. He cares about nature. He doesn't like, even though he's a killer, he doesn't like senseless killing. He, he you know, feels like he, mm-hmm. you know, is a samurai. He has to have a reason, a code and all this stuff. So it's, it's interesting. And Savage Wolverine as a series was a pretty interesting experiment because it was artist driven. It was, you know, they, they had artists do the whole thing. But I mean, the whole thing started off with, uh, with giving Frank Cho the reins um, and letting him tell a Savage land story. And then I'm not sure if it was initially just going to be his book or if they decided after that, that it should turn into an anthology. The way I understand it, it was going to be an anthology, uh, getting new artists in there and giving them, a real chance to shine because you get uh, the 
the Francho stuff, and then you get uh, mm-hmm. Joe Mad does some stuff with uh, with Zeb Wells as Ryder, yep. who they had been working together on uh, what was it, the uh, Amazing Wolverine and Spider Man, or the Spider Man Wolverine team up book, whatever that was. Uh, Jock gets a couple of issues where he does his own thing. Mm-hmm. And I haven't read those, but those covers look gorgeous, so I kind of want to now. Uh, Phil Jimenez, yeah, uh, yeah, it's a bunch <laughs> yeah, of we'll a bunch of artists see. getting a chance to really stretch their limbs and do something, which is you know, it's an interesting experiment. Uh, I've only read Disney Child stuff, so I don't know how fantastic it was overall. But this story is this story isn't bad. It does some cool stuff with Logan. I can tell you that. It does at times feel like Phil Jimenez is still cutting his teeth as a writer because the dialogue in this can come off as a little Hmm. overwrought and dramatic. Well, especially for a Wolverine story, Um, you know, it's central story of of Wolverine hunting down uh, these this poaching industry and, um, you know, having this core emotional connection with these elephants it's a little it's a little heavy-handed shall we say yeah doesn't he visit one of the elephants every year on that elephant's birthday or something he does um there's an ongoing long-term relationship between logan and and this elephant which you know it, it is interesting like all three of these stories have some sequence of wolverine and animals um in the archie goodwin one that we started with he just straight up like murders a warthog so not really sure what that's all about. When we get to Blood Hungry, he, I guess, is hunting by trying to touch a wolf without the wolf noticing him. And then that wolf later comes and saves the day um, as part is, of Blood Hungry. Which is a character trait that I believe came out of classic X-Men. So that's a... Yes. Uh, that seems that's a little a... bit more true, right? Yes. And now this one has this element again of, of Wolverine, you know, interacting with wildlife in this, this very core way to his character. Um, but ultimately, you know, it, it's sort of a, I don't know, you know, the, the story only has two issues, so there's not a lot to explore. He follows this uh, poaching chain back to Madripoor. He burns it down. Um, there's a little bit of a, you know, sort of a, an emotional choice there because I guess some of this poaching money is going back to help the people of Madripoor. Well, it's um, a weird choice. It's a weird choice here. And can I, can I interject if you would? Yeah, mind? please. Uh, the weird choice here is that, you know, tiger tiger says, well, this poaching, it helps out the poor in Madripoor and all this stuff. But that seems like a weird way to do it like you're saying that well look at all this all this commerce that this brings in yeah tiger tiger you're still like super murdering a lot of endangered animals and it can't be bringing in that much commerce and also maybe like chill with that like this is not this is not a big social choice like this doesn't seem like a big moral dilemma this is a bad late 2000s uh you know, like morality system video game choice where here's this obvious right answer. Here's this thing you can do if you're being the bad version of the character. What do you yeah. choose? I mean, the idea that they're paying for like Madripoor Medicare through like tusks and tiger heads, the, it's a little bit incredulous, you know, when you're talking about endangered species, you know, call me By wrong, definition, 
right? Like my poaching knowledge is limited, but I would assume a warehouse could not be filled with all of this material. Like, I, I don't know. Maybe I'm wrong. Um, that would be extremely sad and and gross, but um, it does seem a little odd. Uh, there is so anyway. a really gross sequence where he like cuts off a rhino's head, and mm. I am not there for that. That well, was not comfortable. Well, part of Savage Wolverine was also that the the artists had a little bit more leeway as to you know what they could do, what they could show, sure. um, violence wise. So anyway, story wraps up. Wolverine gets to check in with her elephant. There's a there's a cool little um, side scene with Kitty Pride teaching uh, at the school about costumes, which is kind of fun. It's perfect. It's perfect because at least in Quentin Choir, being the little snot nosed brat that he is, does immediately comment like, "Why in the world are we listening to her on costumes?" Because her default costume choice is, well, I'm really bad at coming up with something else. I'm going to go with what's on the shelf for everyone. Yeah, I don't know. I like that scene. Um, You know, everybody gets a little cameo there. It's it's the Wolverine and the X-Men group. So um, I don't know. I thought that was a fun little little, uh, cameo there. Yeah, I don't think this is bad. I don't think this is memorable at all. No. Um, You know, it ties into the other two stories that we're talking about, but you know, it wraps up so quickly that there's, there's not a lot to digest here. Like you said, the moral choice is pretty clear and that's exactly what happens. And we move on. So speaking of moving on, where would you like to put this on our list? Well, I, I'm looking down around, um, the life death three. Um, that's at 99 right now. 99. That's one place I'm looking. Yeah. The other one I'm looking at is um, Wolverine volume three or William Wolverine volume three, number six. The one with Nightcrawler on the naked cover. Yes. Yeah. You know, like these, these are some comparable stories where it's, you know, there's nothing wrong with the art. The the writing is competent. You know, the, the stories are trying hard, but they're not particularly memorable. So I was looking just a tiny bit lower at 101 at uh the children of the Adam. yeah the children of the atom story that has some art that's good like it's got chris mm-hmm. bachelor art but it's kind yeah. of a nothing story yeah it's a bit and, of a dud yeah it's not what you want would, would you would you say this is better than extreme x-men expose this is probably better than expose okay uh, well then that's probably a good place to put it okay yeah we can we can slot this in as our new 102 uh, Savage Wolverine 12 and 13 titled Come Conquer the Beasts. <laughs> oh, man. Yeah. And and I, I wish we had more to say about that. But compared to the other two stories, it just is not as like out of control bonkers. Um, you know, so if I was going to recommend you track any anything down, track down the first two. This third one, eh, you could probably skip it. I mean, it doesn't have Wolverine fighting a mountain of cocaine nor nope. does it have wolverine chasing an oscar meyer wiener mobile <laughs> it's hard to compete with those two things right? i'm not joking about either of those things people that happens yep. that's not those are real things in print oh my gosh so yeah <laughs> uh also i'm pretty sure most of those moments have appeared on the no context x-men twitter feed so hopefully thomas appreciates that 
And speaking of that, I think we're I think we're wrapping up this episode now. I think we're in the postscript. Yeah, that was three. That was three. Man, just just like the number of claws on one hand for Wolverine. We got snick, snick, snicked. We got them all three <laughs> there. <laughs> so Battle of the Atom is a weekly podcast, as you know, because you are listening to it this week. Uh, it is supported just like everything else in the Xavier Files of Media Empire on Patreon.com. If you go over to Patreon.com slash Xavier Files, you can, uh, you can join in to some of the fun and... Uh, get an entire episode built around a suggestion of your choice. We have, I think like a couple of months worth of suggestions, but we're getting, we're getting to the, uh, getting into the clear. So if you've got something that you've been dying for us to talk about, two bucks gets you there. Two bucks gets that whole episode for you. So, you know, that's like half the price of a comic. If we're doing the math here, if we're doing the math, is is an entire 45-ish minutes of us talking about X-Men worth more to you than 10 pages of Weapon X? That's mean. I don't read Weapon X. I don't know. It may be very good. I hear say or I hear that Omega Red has a tiger friend now. That sounds promising. Ooh, I like that idea. There we go. <laughs> uh, but yeah, if you want to if you want to support, go over to patreon.com slash Xavier Files and pitch in or don't. Maybe leave a review if you want to, though, because those are cool and those help us get ranked higher in different algorithms, just like the Spotify algorithm, because we're now on that. If you want to listen All to right. Spotify, I thought that was going to be hard. I flipped a switch and it was very easy. Uh, so yeah, all, all of the episodes are up there now, which is pretty awesome. Yeah, we got we got the whole podcast there and each one will be found there. Uh, speaking of other places you can find this these episodes, you can find them on Xavier Files, which is the website that I run where we talk about different X-Men things throughout the uh, week, including news and updates and fun stuff. Uh, like character entries about Annalee, whose name I just recently learned how to pronounce, and who has a terrifying meta backstory about what was going to happen to him. You can read all about that in the article that I hopefully posted on Thursday. Oh, I got to check that out. Uh, dude, we'll talk. <laughs> it's crazy. Uh, beyond that, you can go to twitter.com slash Xavier Files. Most people just say at Xavier Files on Twitter, but I like to go with the way of less brevity. Adam, please stop me from talking and plug your <laughs> plug your everything. All right, guys. Uh, you can always follow me on Twitter at Arthur Stacy. And uh, if you still need a copy of the search for Bish and Jubes, you can go to adamrec.bigcartel.com. $1 gets printed and shipped to your house. So, uh, you know, hop over, grab a copy, I'll mail it to you and you'll, you'll be happy. And, uh, I just started working on the fourth one. So, um, new pages will be coming at some point. I, I don't know when, but, um, uh, I'm, I'm hoping maybe for late summer. I don't know. We'll see how, how that goes. It's going to be great. Uh, next time on the podcast, we jump in to celebrate the work of the battle between and I'm just avoiding talking about this. The Inhumans versus the X-Men. <laughs> I got some okay. feelings, let me tell you what. You're going to need to turn your volume down because that's going to be a shouty episode. Oh, yeah. Uh, yep. But until then, this has been Bal the Atom. We hope you survived the experience. Get it!